Want to do better? Then it's time to change the story. Welcome to our show about new visions currently transforming the world through the confluence of art, tech, and innovation. And now your hosts, Michael Ashley and Neil Sahota. Hey, welcome to another episode of Changing the Story. Hey, I'm really glad to have a good friend and an amazing individual as our guest today, Robert Angel. So while waiting on tables, Rob actually created the international best-selling board game, Pictionary. He's also the author of a new book, Game Changer, and he turned his simple game to a best-selling phenomenon. He loves speaking to entrepreneurs, college students, and businesses, sharing the messy, many lessons he's learned in business and life. Hey, Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Neil. Michael, nice to see you guys. Thank you. So, Rob, as a visionary, what is the story that you would like to bring to the world? That you don't have to have everything figured out before you get started. I like that. Can you please uh, elaborate a little more sure. what you mean there? Sure. Uh, I think the propensity is for all of us when we have an idea or for a business, a book, for anything, is to make sure everything is lined up and then get started and follow the plan. Mm-hmm. For me, it's more a matter of not having a plan, getting started, and seeing what unfolds. And so it's more a matter of one step in front of the other, and whatever reveals itself is how it's supposed to be. But that's where the magic happens. That's where the business happens. That's where it all happens. So, Rob, you're a guy that obviously is okay with being uncomfortable and outside <laughs> your comfort zone. I am. All right. I actually think some of the best thinkers, entrepreneurs, innovators, that's actually how they are. How does someone actually do that? How do you get okay with being outside your comfort zone? Uh, you have to get rid of what's holding you back. But you don't have to you know, take therapy and do all these things. You just have to start taking those little steps. And as you say, I'm uncomfortable when I'm comfortable because I'm at my most creative. And when I explore the most, that's when the new ideas and that's when things come. So for people, it's don't think of it as being uncomfortable. It's, it's stepping away from what you are comfortable with. So don't look at the unknown as something scary. Just look at what you're comfortable and then just take a couple of steps in and release that. I love that philosophy. And by the way, that's I, I had a business uh, in my early 20s, which I did plan uh, considerably ahead of time. It didn't work out. And this time around in 2015, I very much did what you said and I just tried to move fast on it. Uh, so if I very much agree with your advice. As, as also a fan who grew up with Pictionary, loving it, playing it, uh, for people that don't know, could you just tell us a little bit of the story about how that came to fruition? How did you do this? Uh, sure. I was a 23-year-old waiter. That was my job. And one day, my roommate said, do you want to play a game of shreds on paper, sketching words out of the dictionary? And for me, it was just something to do, an activity to have fun. But we started playing, and night after night, we were up playing this silly game. Finally, I said, you know, this would make a good board game. And as I just said, I, I had no plan. I didn't know what I was doing, but I couldn't shake the idea. I mean, I knew it was there, but I, I, got, I got overwhelmed. I mean, this is before I guess I was getting out of my comfort zone. Now it's just who I am. But I was overwhelmed by all the steps necessary to see my vision through, which was to see the game on store shelves, marketing plans, business plans. So I kind of, I shut down. And I had to figure out how to get started. So I took a pause and I went and 
I broke it down to its simplest steps. And that was, for me, the word list. That was easy. I had the book, a dictionary, a pad of paper, and a pencil right there. I didn't overthink that. And I went in the backyard. I opened it up. And I see the first word that makes sense to me is aardvark. That's it, aardvark. Write down the word aardvark. But it was magic. Because in that moment, I relabeled myself. I was no longer a waiter. I was a game inventor. I mean, it was that fast. It was that simple. So now I'm a game inventor. But, but to the point of the, of, the, of the story is that I still didn't have a plan. I still didn't know what the next step was. I still didn't have it all figured out. But I just kept going and kept one step after the other. And that all built into Pictionary. But I think he said something actually really powerful because we, uh, a couple of episodes, we've talked about the power of words. And it seems like just even reorienting you from, hey, I'm, I'm not a waiter anymore, right? I'm a, a game inventor or an innovator, an entrepreneur kind of reset or shifted your, your focus and kind of gave you the motivation, the enthusiasm to say, hey, you know what? I, I can do this. I can do it really awesomely. Yeah. And, and I don't mean to minimize it and say, you know, oh my God, everything changed in that moment. But when I made the shift to telling myself I was a game inventor, then it was kind of, okay, um, what does a game inventor do? Not what does a waiter do? What does a game inventor do? Well, he makes a game. My business plan, by the way, was extremely complicated. Make games, <laughs> sell games. <laughs> I mean, that was it. So there was no plan. Eventually, you know, we had to plan a little farther, my partners and I, but it all was very, very simple to get started. And it was just by telling myself what I was. It's interesting to hear you say that because really that's the whole premise of this show, this idea that you can create using power words, as Neil just mentioned, you can create new stories. And then when you have new stories, then you can actually take action. Um, and I very much agree with you, the idea that you can decide at any moment, look, I want to be this person. I want to be that person. Um, as a person who did that in my own life, I think, though, that people, myself included, can sometimes feel a sense of imposter syndrome. And I wondered what your thoughts were about that, where, wow, I've just made myself this person. Uh, did you ever even have that? Uh, and how did you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, how many of us have told ourselves a story, as you say, and they go, oh, oh, maybe that's not me after all. Maybe I can't do that. I don't have the skills. Whatever whatever you use to talk yourself out of it, to convince yourself an imposter, and it absolutely felt the same way. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was, I'm a game inventor, but am I really a game inventor, right? Those self-doubts <laughs> yeah. happen. You know, right. it just... It just takes over periodically. And I had to fight through them. I had to sit myself down. That's how I do it. And, okay, Rob, you're a game inventor. What's the next task? And so it's, it's difficult, but certainly not impossible, because once you realize it, once you see it, once you feel it, you've identified it. Right? It's not like, why am I uncomfortable? What's going on? When you can identify that part of it, then it's a little easier to, to externalize what you think you are, what story you're telling yourself, and keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Again, don't look too far in the future. Right. That, that was, for me, the scary part. Well, things change fast, right? And that's, that's, that's the, the lesson I think all entrepreneurs either learn the hard way or they get some good coaching is that if you want, you want to fail, fail fast. But if you don't try, you don't know what's going to work, right? So at, at, at some point, you had to sit there and say, I'm not just trying to be a game inventor. I'm a successful game inventor, right? What was that moment? That was kind of cool. <laughs> it was easier for me to relabel myself. 
Yeah. I mean, it went from waiter to game event, which was scary, but I, I did it and I had to do it. But then we're starting to get some traction. And all of a sudden, Pictionary, yeah, I was selling games out of my trunk of my car. We're now getting some traction. We're, we're kind of successful in Seattle. And now I have to relabel myself again. But it was a natural progression. I didn't stop and think. Now I'm an entrepreneur. I went from game inventor to entrepreneur because I the, the process of creating a game, physically creating a game with my partners, that was that was physical work. But then all of a sudden, what do we do with this game? Oh my gosh, it's sitting under my arm. I've got to go sell it. I mean, have you ever had that that feeling? It's like I accomplished that task, and then oh gosh, right. what's next? I mean, that's that was the fear. But again, I just relabeled myself an entrepreneur, tucked the game under my arm, walked into any store that sold anything, not just toy stores and, and Toys R Us. It's like real estate companies. I went to pharmacies. I went to bookstores. I went to Nordstrom. Anywhere to get Pictionary in front of more people. And so that entrepreneurial spirit took off in overdrive once we physically produced the game. And it, was, and it wasn't that difficult a transition. And then I went from there to other labels, if you will. So it just builds on itself. So I think that more and more people are getting used to the label entrepreneur. It's much more in our, in our uh, daily conversations. We know entrepreneurs, right? They're, they're in our lives. But I don't think many people know someone who's created a board game or a, a game in general or even something nearly as, as successful as Pictionary. So I wonder if, uh, from you... Um, what it's like? Do people report back to you and tell you, "Hey, look, I, you know, I played this at my son's birthday party." What, what what's the feedback that you've gotten over the years from Pictionary? Uh, been pretty incredible. People tell me their Pictionary stories because Pictionary is an emotion. It wasn't just a game. Hmm. So when people played, and you all have, when you've played, the camaraderie of the people you're playing with, you're in on the joke. The worse your drawings are, the more you laugh at yourself. Right. Right. And so it's this collaboration and this shared experience. Like a, it's like a rock concert. You see Mick Jagger. Everybody's, oh, my gosh, Mick Jagger. So it's the same thing about Pictionary. And so it's created these wonderful, wonderful memories uh, for people. And I love hearing them. I love hearing the stories, how it touched lives, changed lives, influenced lives. I mean, speaking of, you know, one foot in front of the other, my idea was just to create a game people would like. Right. That was it. That was my intention. And all this happened. So. I'm blessed. Well, you were, you were a great, very, very successful, Rob. It worked out pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's also great that you have a fantastic story and you're actually sharing your story to help other people change their story. Because I, I actually believe everyone has a billion dollar idea. It's just a question, do they have the commitment and they're willing to invest the time and energy to make it a reality? I know some people, the circumstances don't allow for that, but I mean, what's, what's your message to everybody? What's your, your advice to help inspire them to pursue their dreams? Yeah, it's find your aardvark. I mean, <laughs> it's the premise of the book. It's, it's the, the, on the book is an aardvark. It, it's, that, it's that mindset. So when I didn't, I didn't invent Pictionary to invent a game. I started with making a word list. That was the start of my aardvark. And then the next step and the next step. Right? That's really what it's all about. That's my advice. Because how many times have you had this great idea, this billion-dollar idea, and then the imposter syndrome kicks in, and then I'm not worthy, and I don't have the skill, and you just talk yourself out of it. So that was me breaking it down to the word list. Didn't overthink it. 
Everything was right there. So don't overthink all the stuff. I mean, I even, to the point where they say, break it down to the simplest uh, the steps and then take them one at a time. I would even contend, don't do that because that's going to get you start thinking ahead. Don't start thinking ahead. Just take the first step. You did it. Write that down. That's what I did. Pat yourself on the back and go, hey, I did that first thing. I wrote a word. Okay. Now what's the next step? What's the next and the next? So don't worry about all the stuff. People like me, maybe like you, don't have that capability. It's just too much stuff in my head. Yeah. Once I break it down, I accomplish first task, relish in that small victory of doing that, then I proceed and maybe you can do the same. Yeah. Well, speaking of billion, billion dollar ideas, would you tell us a little bit about Game Changer? What is this, what is this book about? I, oh, you mean the book? Yeah, yeah the book. <laughs> the book behind you, yes. What do you mean, the book? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> know. Yeah, so it's Game Changer. It's on Amazon. Uh, Rob Angel, Game Changer. Uh, it's really the story of how I had a 23-year-old waiter and took a simple idea, trades on paper, drawing on paper, and dared to dream that I could create the biggest selling board game in the world. And the book chronicles, you know, the, the trials and the tribulations, the obstacles, both business and personal, uh, that it overcame to make the dream a reality. And it's it's just a fun story. If you like Pictionary, now you know how it how it was done. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's a book, book of hope. But yeah. bottom line, I was a 23-year-old waiter. That was it. And I created this this thing. If I can do it, by taking one step, anybody can do it. That's great. I got I to gotta ask the question, Rob. So, <laughs> waiter to game innovator to author. Right? Yeah. What was the inspiration around being an author? What was like the mind shift set you had to get into to be a good, to be a great author? Uh, it was a completely different mindset. Man, I had no idea what writing a book was all about. I just wanted to share my story. I'll write a few words and see where it goes. Six years later, uh, I put out a book that I'm very proud of. Yeah, it's a total mind shift uh, from getting to that point. But I'm really pleased with it. Uh, and there was a lot of imposter syndrome going on. I mean, everything that I went through with Pictionary, I went through with the book. Fear of being judged, right? Uh, two years ago, the book was done. Uh, you know, people are going to judge me. I'm not quite ready to put it out. I found Every reason in, in the book, pun intended, I guess, to not put the book out. And so I just had to keep telling myself over and over, Rob, it's a great story. You're an author. Get it out. So it was, it was, it was, it was tough, but it got it done. Well, I very much agree with your idea about just getting out there and moving ahead, especially getting outside of your comfort zone. But as a person who writes a lot of books for a living uh, and also teaches courses on writing, I know that uh, I always recommend outlining when it comes to a book. Right. And there are, there are people, they call it plotting, and then they call it people that are or pantsters, people that are writing from the seat of their pants. And Stephen King is one of the people that professes that idea, which I think works out for Stephen King because he's a very talented writer, although people who've read The Stand uh, think that maybe that didn't work out so great because he didn't outline the ending very well. I wonder from you, with your, with your thinking, with your, uh, your ideology about just going after it, did you outline that book or did you write it more from the seat of your pants? Oh, I'm about to go against everything I did. <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> the book, yeah, I did not do an outline. 
and it meandered. And then finally, after about a year, I sat down and did an outline and that kept me more focused. It wasn't, here's the beginning and here's the end. So I did do some outlining and it did make the process easier. So for the book, right. I would recommend that, yeah. But at the same time, you just it, it seems like at some point you decided you're going to go for it. Okay, you were just, oh, yeah. I'm going to be an author, I'm going to go for it, and, and nothing held you back. So at least you're, you're following that in some ways, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I brain dumped, if you will. I, I recorded the book, my entire story, and then I narrowed it down from there, what stories made sense to the book, what stories fit. And you know, as the, I had to get rid of a lot of the stories I thought were really cool but they didn't fit the narrative or they, you know, they were entertaining to me, but not necessarily the reader. And so, yeah. So having the outline really helped me articulate which stories to put in and not. And I guess the same thing with Pictionary. This is the game I wanted. And so the pieces that fit that are what made it into the final product. Right. Right. So you're really, you're really saying the outcomes are important. Start with the end in mind and think about what my audience or the game players would want to get. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I got started without a plan. However, I did visualize Pictionary on store shelves. That was my visual. That was my plan. That was my goal. It wasn't, I'll write a word and see what happens. So I knew the end. I didn't realize how big it would become. I didn't know the next steps. But yeah, I visualized what Pictionary was going to be. And then I visualized what the book was going to be. And that did help keep me in line. Literally, figuratively. So um, in, in today's society where young people, the, uh, the, uh, the risk of getting outside of their comfort zone, the risk of, let's say, starting a business, doing something that's off the beaten path, it yeah. seems like there are heightened risks these days uh, for, for people that, that do things like that. What advice would you say to young people who are pushing back on this to feel like, well, you know, I want to do, I want to create something, some idea like that, but I'm worried about paying my bills. I'm worried about my student loans. Uh, I'm worried about, you know, if it all blows up in my face, what would you say to them to get, get them past that kind of limited thinking? Nothing is an either or. That's why I suggest going slow, because what you may be thinking is I've got this billion dollar idea and all this stuff, but you don't have to do everything at once. Yeah. Take care of your bills. I mean, there are responsibilities in life. You can't just mm -hmm. chuck it off. Right. But, but it's okay to go down the wrong path. Right? If you get the wrong idea, that's okay. Turn around, go back, try something else. So getting out of your comfort zone is just taking those little steps without jettisoning your responsibilities. Um, and, and the other advice is don't overthink things. I mean, my goodness, I'm a master overthinker, <laughs> which, makes me, oh yeah, which makes me a master procrastinator. Sure, sure. Right? The more I, more I think about things, the less I do. So my suggestion is if, you, if, if an idea resonates with you and you're passionate about it and you go, yeah, I'm going to give this a shot, take a first step, give it a shot, don't overthink it, get started. You don't have to have it all figured out and you certainly don't have to have an end game, but mm. unintended. But, but getting out of your comfort zone doesn't mean throwing away everything you know and it doesn't mean risking everything. Mm -hmm. Risking maybe a day or two of your life and then go from there. Mm -hmm. I, I, f I feel like this is a Yoda moment, right? <laughs> <laughs> do or do not, there is no try. Right. <laughs> right? Either you're committed to doing it and trying to make it happen, or you're not. <laughs> well, I mean, Neil, I live this stuff. I mean, this isn't just, for me, theoretical. 
I mean, everything I'm talking about, I lived and still live. Like the book, this is a whole new thing for me. I didn't think I'd be on Zoom calls with my buddies or anybody talking about a game, a book. So I'm out of my comfort zone, to be honest with you. Sure. But I'm doing it. Right. And by the way, I wish, Neil, I wish you'd done it in the Yoda's voice for, for maybe next time. <laughs> um, so again, going back to this is a very different life than a lot of people are, are leading being a game designer. What is a, di- what is a, a day in the life of a game designer? Um, what is that like for you? For people that don't know anything about this, this world that, you, that you're living in. <laughs> well, I, I sold the game to Mattel 2001. So, so a day in the life of Rob is I do what I want. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm fortunate to do what I want, but that doesn't mean I have a lot of money to do what I want. I just take where I choose to spend my time, energy, and money. And right mm-hmm. now it's on the book. It's in nonprofit work. It is, you know, mentoring. So it's all these cool things that nourish me that I get to do. And so that's where I choose to spend my time. And, uh, you know, with, as far as a game designer goes, my goodness, Kickstarter, are you kidding me? You can point and click and get money and create a game. If yeah. you've got an idea, figure out what your motivation is. Is it to create a game that people will play? Is it your motivation to make money? Is it to create a job for yourself? There's no wrong answer. There's never a wrong answer. But once you figure that out, man, the sky's the limit in getting a product produced and putting it out and see what the public, how the public will respond. I'm jealous. I put, I put the first thousand games together by hand, literally the first thousand games out of a mil, 38 million games we sold before we sold it. I put them physically every game by hand. So I, my love was in every one of these games. I was invested in every one of those games. Yeah. So I have, you know, it's an emotional attachment. Attachment. It's not just a product. Sure. It was my life. Well, well, Rob, I think you have a super inspiring story. I think the mindset, really great point. Go out, do things, take action. But I think there's a third thing. I think it's about, about you. Maybe you don't see it, but I think it's really important, which is attitude. You're like one of the most optimistic people I ever met, right? Rob is always randomly texting me, like, hey, have you seen any interesting clouds lately? <laughs> I'll let you talk about what that means. But I think it's so powerful, the optimistic attitude. Yeah, well, you know, half full, half empty, whatever you want to say. Uh, but I, I just see the joy and the fun and the adventure in anything, whether it's a cloud, a new television show, writing a couple of words, whatever, meeting a new human like you. To me, that's the fun of life. It's the not knowing. It's For me, that's the joy and the beauty. And the more I do that, the more my, full my life becomes and the more enjoyment and the more creative I am. So this is this is always good fun. Well, I think, by the way, I love that, that you're, you're bringing up clouds. That's, that's super cool. So what is, now knowing your personality, now knowing a little bit about you, what is the, the plan for the next creative endeavor that you want to do? What excites you for the future? You want the truth is, I don't know. Honestly, (laughs) I am living right now my new aardvark, and it's not a joke, not a cliche. This book has taken up six months, years of my life. I've got another X time. You know, there's certain things you've got to do to sell, but I'm excited for the next opportunity, the next aardvark, the next thing. And so I'm back out in the world, whatever that looks like now, and discovering and enjoying and seeing what's out there. And I know something will resonate. And I know I'll find something, but I'm not going to push it. 
mm-hmm. I'm not to make it happen. Um, and so I'm excited for, for the unknown because I thrive on that. And let's be honest, everything's unknown. <laughs> That's true. Everything, not just, not just the environment we're in. Clearly, a lot of people are, are dealing with that. But every day is unknown. So embrace that. Know it's going to happen. When, when Picture E started happening, mindset. My, I had no daily routine. But my mindset was, one, I don't know everything. So I had to learn on the job. And two, I'm going to learn as I go. Because there's going to be the unknown. And I'm going to embrace it when it comes. I'm going to learn from it. And I'm going to move on. That, that's what got me through. Not a better business plan. Not a better game. That's what got me through. And I'm pumped. I'm living it again at 62 years old, not 23. It's the same stuff. Right. Oh, that's awesome, Rob. So I know your book, Game Changer, is on Amazon, but I think our audience, much like myself, is interested to learn more about your next aardvark moment. (laughs) How can they keep keep tabs on you, see what you're up to, get engaged? Yeah, follow me on uh, all social media at, at The Rob Angel. And my website, robangel.com. And I'll just post as I go along, as confused as anybody. <laughs> but, you know, that's all cool. That's all yeah. great. That's awesome. Well, thank you so that's much for the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Neil, thanks. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Thank you. Hey, if you like today's show, please remember to hit the like button and leave a comment. If you've been enjoying the Changing the Story podcast series, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you.